right, so Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, for your grace, for your love, for your mercy towards us. We thank you, Lord God, that you're faithful even to a thousand generations. And so, Lord God, as we delve into your word this morning, uh, I thank you that every eye is anointed to see, every ear is anointed to hear, and every heart is anointed to believe and receive that which you would speak through me this morning. In Jesus' name. Everyone say it. Amen. All right. So <clears throat> we've been talking about God's story, our story. Today we're going to talk about Daniel. Last week, uh, Chuck did a, a really amazing job talking about the life of Jonah uh, and some of his dealings with, with Nineveh uh, and really our heart posture and what it looks like to, for, to forgive those or extend forgiveness to those that we may not want to. So, uh, so we're going to delve in and continue on with the, the story of Daniel. Now, We've said this several times, and I'll, I'll repeat it, uh, and that is this, is that we, uh, we can't drain through the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, right? And so the onus is on all of us to go through and fill in the gaps, and we've started a podcast, which you can check out, Sameless Plug at FCCPHX.com, uh, where we kind of fill in some of the gaps of, of some of the stories that we may not cover on a Sunday morning. Um, the idea, though, is this, is that when you read the word of God, that you see yourself in God's word. You see yourself in God's word and then ask yourself another question or series of questions. God, how do you want to express you through my life? Amen. All right. So as we look at the story of Daniel and how many of y'all heard about the story of Daniel in the lion's den back in the day, right? The, the, the. The Bible school, uh, nursery school, Sunday school story, right? And Daniel was in the lion's den, and the Lord shut the lion's mouth, and they didn't eat Daniel. He was petting them and, like, playing, like okay, yeah, y'all got that, right? Um, there's a lot more uh, to the story of Daniel than just that. And so I'm going to kind of just give you a, a quick flyover of the entire book of Daniel, and then we're going to delve into what I believe uh, Holy Spirit may be wanting us to, to take away uh, from Daniel's story. So um, Daniel was actually a part of royalty. Uh, he was part of the, the king's lineage in, in, uh, in, in Israel, in Judah, right? And so the Bible teaches us in Daniel chapter 1 that Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the king of Babylon, they took over Judah, Okay. And they took captives, they took slaves out of Judah, and they, they were selective with the slaves that they took. They took the very best, the top of the top, like the, the kids uh, that were in high school that made the honor roll or made the merit roll, the kids that were doing uh, exceedingly great things uh, and had a propitiation for or an aptitude for uh, academics uh, that were physically uh, appealing and things of that nature. So they, they kind of selected and took the best of the best into slavery, into uh, their kingdom. They also plundered uh, the temple of Judah. So they took not only the good people, what they thought were the good people, and they took the good things also uh, from the temple in, in the realm of, of Judah in that kingdom. And so <clears throat> um, the Bible goes on, and then it, it, it talks about this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has, right? Um, and he has his dream, but before he has his dream, Daniel was already finding favor uh, in the midst of being in exile. And so the title of today's message is to excel in exile. 
how do you excel in exile? How do you excel even in the midst of being captive, even in the midst of things not necessarily going your way? Um, and so <clears throat> Daniel begins to find favor. And so they, they instruct all of these, these exiles, these prisoners, that they have to eat the king's food. And Daniel goes to one of the eunuchs. He's like, yo, man, I don't want to do that because they be worshiping idols when they serve their food. And I ain't about that life. I serve the, the God of the, the, the most high. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I serve the almighty. And we don't do that. So, like, if you could just kind of, like, make a way for me not to have to eat that, then that would be cool. And so Daniel had found favor, favor with this eunuch. And the eunuch is like, yo, man. I mean, I feel you, but if I don't do that and then you come back looking crazy, looking all feeble and stuff, then I'm going to be in trouble with the king and his leaders. So Daniel was like, bruh, just trust me, right? He really said that. If you look real close, it says, yeah. So <laughs> he's like, bruh, just trust me. And so Daniel and the three Hebrew boys that, that we're going to talk about uh, as well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those, those were their slave names, but their actual names were uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, they ate only, they didn't eat the king's food. And so after 10 days, they looked better than all the, all the people that had been eating the king's food. And so that's the first time that, that the king and uh, the, those around him began to recognize that there was something different about Daniel, something different about the God that he served. So fast forward, um, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, right? He has this dream. It's a crazy dream. And he sends out this, uh, this decree. And so what you have to understand in those days, when a king spoke, it, it, it was law. It literally had to happen. Okay? Quick pause. The Bible calls us kings and priests in Revelation 5. Because of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, because of the blood of the, the, blood of the lamb, right, Jesus, we also now have that position of king and priest, which means that our weight, our words carry that same weight, okay? All right, time in. So Nebuchadnezzar says, I need somebody to, to tell me what the dream is and interpret it. But he wants them to tell him the dream without him. He wants them to tell the dream and interpret the dream while he says nothing. And so the magicians and the, the, the astrologers, the Bible calls them Chaldeans in some, some versions, they're like, yo, man, nobody can do that. Like, how are we just supposed to read your mind, tell you what you dreamt, and then tell you what the dream meant? Like, nobody can do that. He's like, y'all better do it, figure it out, or else all of y'all about to die. Ah! Right? They scared, right? Nebuchadnezzar is like, oh, he tripping. So, <laughs> so he sends out this decree. Um, nobody can figure it out. They start to actually kill the wise men, the Bible says. They start to kill the wise men uh, in Babylon. And then somebody tells the king, hey, there's this guy, Daniel. He could probably tell you what the dream meant. So he brings Daniel in, right? And he's like, yo, tell me the dream. Tell me what it meant. If you don't, you're going to die just like the rest of these uh, wise men in Babylon. So Daniel's like, yo, man, nobody can do that. Like what you're asking is crazy. But... I do serve a God who probably has your answer. I'm super paraphrasing right now, right? So, so Daniel goes, he tells um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego what the king has said, and they all start praying. Uh, Daniel sleeps on the fortnight, and God gives him the revelation of what Nebuchadnezzar dreamt and the interpretation of it. 
He tells Nebuchadnezzar what he dreamt and the interpretation. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and worshiped God. Here's this slave, here's this prisoner taken out of his comfort zone, taken away from his homeland, and now he has influence because of his obedience to God, because of his humility. And we just sang a few songs this morning about humility, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. So the story goes on. Um, the king, he after, after he worships God and acknowledges that, that the, the God of Daniel is the, is the true God, he raises up this golden image, and everybody has to worship the image. And if you don't worship when the, when the music plays, then you get thrown into the fiery furnace, right? So long story medium, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're like, yeah, we're not bowing. And, and then they even go so far as to tell Nebuchadnezzar, they say, hey, O king, hope you live forever, but we're not about to bow to this golden image that you raised up. Our God is able to deliver us from, from, this, from this peril. And even if he doesn't, here's the part where they start flexing. Even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Like, I wonder, have you ever been in a situation in your life or will you face a situation in your life where you'll have to, to call up on the even if he doesn't part? So with this injury, I'm thinking about this, and the doctors are telling me, hey, Jerome, you're going to have to keep your knee straight, totally straight. You can't bend it for four to six weeks. Now, it's already been 10 days, and I looked at my wife this morning. I'm like, man, there, no. Like, four to six weeks? That's four times longer than it's already been? Like, no. Nah. Like, we need, we need a shorter outcome, right? I need a miracle. God is able to heal me. People are praying. People are Come to my house, lay hands on my knee. And I believe that God is a healer. I know that God is a healer. I've seen God heal people. I've seen God grow legs out from nothing. I've seen God deliver people from cancer that had it for years and years and decades, right? I know he's a healer. And in the situation of my leg, I know he can heal it. I know he can, he can heal that tendon up right now. And I can actually go on the basketball court and 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 jump higher than I ever jumped before in my life. He's able to do that. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, I bet you I'm not going to quit. Even if he doesn't, I bet you I'm going to continue to get in my word every, every single day. Even if he doesn't, I'm still going to lift my hands and worship. Even if he doesn't, I'm still going to love my wife. Even if he doesn't, I'm still going to show love to those around me. Even if he doesn't, he's still going to be who he is. Amen? Because who he is is not predicated on what happens or what doesn't happen in my life. It's already been established. Who he is has already been established. We get the opportunity to partake in his goodness. Amen? So my posture has been, God, what do you have for me in this? What are you trying to show me in this? <laughs> and you know what's interesting? We just saw that video of, of Chuck dancing in Kenya and the picture of the team out there. And, and so I was, I was y'all know, y'all prayed I was going to go on the Kenya trip. And I was kind of on the fence about it for a while because um, we just got a lot of family stuff happening and, and trying to visit and just, just different things like that that, uh, that I, I really think I need to prioritize. And so I was just like, God, just, like, make it really clear. <laughs> 
if I'm supposed to go to Africa or not. Even if he doesn't. <laughs> so here I am, amen? Uh, so it's all good. So anyway, uh, back to the story. So, so y'all know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get thrown into the fiery furnace. There's another image that shows up. Nebuchadnezzar sees this image. And he's like, he's, this is one, it's like the son of the gods, right? He's seeing Jesus. He's acknowledging Jesus in that moment. He worships God again. And then uh, fast forward a little bit. Uh, Daniel gets promoted. The, the, the three Hebrew boys get promoted to, from being in exile now they're literally running whole provinces in Babylon. How do you excel in the midst of exile? Here's one thing that you got to understand. At the beginning of the book of Daniel, Daniel committed to himself that he would not defile himself. Now, I believe that he was talking about he would not defile himself with the king's food that had been sacrificed to idols, but he would, not also, he would also not defile himself by bowing the knee to a God that was not his God. That took a measure of humility. What humility simply means is this. Humility means that I bring myself low, that I bring my own agenda low and I submit it to the agenda and the will of God. There's something beautiful that happens whenever somebody humbles themselves. If you look, and, and, and we're going to reference this, but in James chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 5, every time someone humbles themselves, God promotes them. God exalts them. God lifts them up. So some of you may be wanting promotion on your job or some of you may be wanting to achieve the next level, maybe even in your marriage or your family relationships or whatever the case may be. You want to go to the next level. You want to go from here to there. You want to excel. You want to progress. You want to promote. In any area of your life, the formula is to humble yourself. And God will exalt you, First Peter says, in due time. See, the thing about Daniel, there was no, see, when he first went into exile, he thought it was going to last about 70 years, according to some other prophetic words that had been given. But later on, he found out that it's actually going to last a lot longer than that. So he literally spent the majority of his life in captivity. He spent his life in the midst of Babylonian rule. And when you think about that, the Babylonian culture and society was, was totally juxtaposed to the life that he was accustomed to. Was totally juxtaposed to, to prayer and worshiping the Most High God. They worshiped idols, they sacrificed children. Like anything that you can think of that was heinous, that's what Babylon practiced. And he was thrust into that society. So whenever you read the Bible, sometimes it's good to ask this, this little one-word question. Little one-word, three-letter question. Why? Why, God? Why did you put this in the Bible? What? Why? Why is Daniel's story canonized in Scripture? Why? I'm so glad you asked. Y'all always ask the best questions, right? And so we see another example in Daniel chapter 6 where Daniel is faced with another ultimatum. Either bow in prayer 
or get thrown into the lion's den. So not only does Daniel not bow to the idols, but he opens his window and puts his prayer on display. Watch. I'm going to meddle with some of y'all just a little bit. Just a little bit because it's fun, okay? He doesn't grab a picket sign. He doesn't start pointing fingers at the opposing side and saying, you, you're evil. You represent evil. You're trying to take our kids to hell. You're trying to take society to hell. And God's going to judge you with fire and brimstone. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He literally opens his window so that all the haters, the, the, the other administrators and, and people that try to, to get him in trouble, to try to get him killed, he literally puts on display his relationship with the Most High God. And he prays just like he'd always done on full display of the public. How is he able to do that? How is he able to, to excel and excel? How is he able to, in the midst of facing certain death, still do what God has called him to do, still be consistent with what God has called him to do. It's interesting that he went into exile as a teenager. So what that tells me is that he probably had some good examples, some good parenting to, to, to let him know the stories about his forefathers, about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, about the parting of the Red Sea, about the, the release of, of the, uh, the Israelite children from Egyptian bondage. He has all of these things in his repertoire. He has all of these things at his disposal. He's been trained and shaped and molded in the ways of God. The Bible teaches us in Proverbs that if you train up a child in the way that they should go, when they are old, they won't depart. If God said it, it has to be true. So perhaps Daniel's parents did a really good job of training him up in the way that he should go. Training means to shape, to bend, to mold in the way that he should go, in the ways of God that he should go. And when he got older, he did not depart from those ways. Here's the thing about a principle. Is that if it was true for Daniel and Daniel's parents, it's also true for you in your parenthood right now, in your grandparenthood right now, today. I'm going to take a little bit of an excursion right here because there's a lot of things that's happening in the public educational realm where certain agendas are being introduced and certain ideas are being introduced. And, and in some cases, some laws have been passed uh, where kids who are not even able to uh, choose their bedtime are somehow able to choose their gender. Now, I'm not saying that to be offensive, but if we can't talk about what's really happening, then what are we doing? That's not to cast any aspersions on anyone. Jesus is for everybody, and this are some of the things that's happening. And what's happening, there's a lot of Jesus followers that have began to panic in the midst of this situation, in the midst of this Babylonian influence. So when we ask the question, why is Daniel's story canonized in scripture? Perhaps it's because he, his life is to give us a blueprint on how we're supposed to navigate through 2023 and 2024 and 2025. 
Maybe, maybe what God is trying to say to us that in the midst of exile or in the midst of the powers that be introducing things that you don't agree with because of my word, here's what your posture should be. They are not your enemy. The school board members are not our enemies. The politicians are not our enemies. The people that go to the ballot and vote differently than you do are not your enemies. The people that are asking you for $5 at the end of the freeway are not your enemies. The kids that are are looking for identity and gang membership are not your enemy. You have one enemy. And the way to defeat that one enemy is to humble yourself before me. Just like Daniel did. Well, they said if, if there's this law in California that if, if parents don't agree with what they're saying, that they're going to put us in jail. Just going to put us right in jail, man. It's, this ain't fair. This ain't right. Yeah, you're right. It's not fair. It's not right. But even if I go to jail, God is able to deliver me. How do I know? Because The three Hebrew boys were cast into the fire, and the Bible says that their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. They put Daniel into the lion's den, and the Lord shut the lion's mouth to the point that this dude is just, he took a nap. And then when the king went to check on him, he's like, I know that your God is the real God. And watch this. Here's the part that we miss in Scripture. The king was so excited that the lions had not killed Daniel, and he acknowledged God's power. That he went and, and got the people that suggested that they, he put Daniel in the lion's den and threw them into the lion's den. And the Bible says that before they hit the floor of the lion's den, that the lions had devoured them to the bone. So you don't have to fight. I don't have to fight against flesh and blood. Ephesians, hello, Bible scholars. I'm not fighting against against flesh and blood. I'm not fighting against school board. I'm not fighting against politicians. We're fighting against the principalities of the darkness of this world. And here's who's fighting for us. The Lord God Almighty. The Lord God Almighty is fighting for us. So here's, when you look at Daniel's life, the kingdom... And Daniel literally served under four different, this is so good. God's word is so good. Daniel served under four different kings. That means this, that Daniel served under Republican, Democrat, and whatever akin or crap that you can name, he served under that in exile. His position towards God never changed. Can I tell you something that you already know? Think about any headline. Think about any any soundbite. Think about any news clip. Think about any trend, any law that's being passed in California, Arizona, Florida, even in different parts of the world. Think about all the things that have transpired over the course of time that's happening even right now, and none of it has changed God's word. None of it has changed God's promise to you. He's more than able to keep you. He's more than able to deliver you from the fiery furnace. He's more than able to deliver you from the lion's den. He's more than able to deliver you from the the quote-unquote oppressive laws that seem to be coming down the pike in certain systems in our society. 
he's more than able. <laughs> and even if he doesn't, we still going to serve him. Even if he doesn't, I'm still going to praise him. Even, so you might say, raise your hands, you're going to get shot. You're a part of a firing squad. You think I'm raising your, my hands in obedience to you to show you that I don't have a weapon. But actually, I'm giving praise and honor and worship to my most high God because this is my consistent posture. See, you will fail in the midst of a storm if, if what you're doing isn't a consistent thing. The way that Daniel was able to overcome is because his lifestyle was his lifestyle. If you, the old folks used to say it like this. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Amen. You, you can't, like, start praying, but, but don't try to use your relationship with God as a parachute. Oh, God, it's a pretty pretty jacked up situation right now. I'm going to need you. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. How many more I got to say? Six more. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Like, no, this has to be a lifestyle every single day, day in and day out. This is what enables you to face the fiery furnace, to face the lion's den. And allow your life to speak. See, Satan had a plan for Daniel's life. I'm going to put him in exile. He's going he's gonna to bow his knee to these false gods. He's going to turn his back on God. But that didn't happen. He continued to worship God. And because he continued to worship God, like the leaders of that Babylonian culture, they had to acknowledge God. It was undeniable. And so this is what I believe. Because of Daniel's obedience, it actually created a path for the Babylonians to have a relationship with God. Could it be that we're in the midst of this society, which if we're really, really honest, there's big, huge, gaping chunks of our culture that could not be labeled as Christian or Jesus following. That's just the truth. We say America is a Christian country, Okay. I'm not saying that it's not, but what does Christian mean to you? But here's, here's the beautiful thing. I believe parts of Babylon were preserved because of Daniel and those three Hebrew boys, because of their yes to Jesus Christ. And so here's, here's the thing. I, I didn't read in scripture ever where Daniel was like, Lord God, take me out of exile. Release me from this, 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 this state of being a prisoner. Get me out of this situation. Take me away from this circumstance. I've never seen that canonized in scripture. And so maybe, just maybe, you do your own doctrinal study. But just maybe God is asking us the same thing. Maybe God is asking us, hey, because of your life, Jesus follower, because of your love for me, because of your affinity for me, other people that don't know who I am, that don't know about the redemptive work of my son Jesus, maybe they'll get an opportunity to meet him because of the, the, the veracity of your yes to me, because of your refusal to bow the knee, not to, not to point and to fight and, to, and to, to stir up controversy, but to love even in the midst of people that don't deserve love. 
Amen. Because raise your hand if you deserve, if you actually deserve for Jesus to come and die on the cross for you. Raise your hand if you actually earned that privilege. Raise your hand if you were actually worthy of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. You weren't worthy of it. You got it free. How dare you hold on to it? How dare you not look for ways to express it? How dare you not look for ways to and say, God, show me how my life can get somebody closer to Jesus. So, so maybe, maybe God is asking us to do some hard stuff, man. Maybe he's asking you not to pull your kids out of public school. And maybe he's asking you to, to ratchet up your parenthood to shape and to mold them to be pillars, to be examples, to be billboards that say, I represent the most high God and I will not bow the knee. Come hell or high water, I will serve God. Maybe. Didn't get a lot of amens, but that's okay. That's okay. Maybe he's asking you not to leave that job. Because even though it's been hard for you, even though the majority of the people at that job don't serve the Lord, maybe you're that seed. Maybe you're that seed that brings redemption. Maybe you're that seed that brings freedom. See, this story of Daniel was written thousands, come on, y'all, thousands and thousands of years ago. But in this story, you see the release from, from the fiery furnace. You see the release from the lion's den. You see the actual freedom even in the midst of exile. Is benefiting you today. What I'm saying to you is that your yes to Jesus is bigger than just you. I wonder if Daniel didn't pray for release out of exile because he understood that this was more than just about him, that this would impact generations and generations to come. In Daniel chapter 7 ver, uh, through chapter 12, he begins to have these visions and dreams and he begins to, to prophesy and, and talk about things that are to come, a lot of which parallel the book of Revelation and John's experience on the Isle of Patmos. Daniel's humility was such a sweet-smelling savior to God that he used Daniel and Daniel's life to, to forewarn us of things which were to come generations and generations and generations later. Your yes to Jesus has a ripple effect. Your yes to Jesus impacts your children, impacts your grandchildren, impacts your great-grandchildren, impacts your great-great-grandchildren. Your yes to Jesus can change a law that might not be enacted until 30 years from now where you're, 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 you're not even here on the earth anymore. But it's worth it. I don't have to, I don't have to know it all. All he's asking us to do is trust him. Daniel trusted God. The Hebrew boys trusted God. Even if he doesn't deliver me, I'm still not going to bow the knee. You know, a lot of people were saying, hey, Jerome, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to take some time off, man. Just, you know, just rest. And we have this calendar Chuck puts, puts together the speaking calendar, like, at the beginning of the year, right? So we can, like, look and kind of plan. And, and this was my day. This has been my day since January. And so I could have stayed home. I could have sat it out. Y'all would have been understanding of that. But for me, and this is just my own personal thing, I literally asked myself, I said, well, if I could... If I could just get up there and serve God's people 
for a few minutes through this little bit of adversity, maybe that would encourage somebody to keep pushing through their adversity. Just maybe. So God, however you want to use my life. And so we sing these songs and we make these declarations, but how real is it? When I was trying to sleep in the hospital, so many nurses were coming into my room and they were like, oh, my gosh, you're, you're so nice. You're like one of my best patients. And, and I was able to have a conversation with a few nurses that were beyond the medical realm and beyond what I could do and not do and beyond my pain tolerance. But it was about their life. It was about Hey, where, well, where do you go to church at? Where, I would love to come and visit. I'm going to come. I'm going to show up. Like, okay, God, like whatever you're doing, and it's not about necessarily church attendance, but I can see the hand of God just using my life, how he wants to use your life. It's just a submission. I wanted to sleep. <laughs> I didn't want to have a conversation. I'm sure Daniel didn't want to go into Babylonian exile. I'm sure he didn't want to go into the lion's den. I'm sure the Hebrew boys didn't want to go into the fiery furnace. They didn't want to, but they did. They didn't necessarily, maybe in their flesh, they didn't necessarily want to turn down the king's food. But something greater than their flesh said, I got to give God my yes and nobody else. Here's the deal, y'all. We're gleaning strength from Daniel's yes. Daniel's yes is encouraging me to face Monday, to face Tuesday, to face whatever whatever society's challenges may bring. And I have the the privilege of reading scripture and, and having a study Bible and digging deeper into some of the nuance of what was occurring at that time. And since God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he does not change, I wonder if our yes gives other folks encouragement to face their tomorrow. Yeah, I had to, uh, maybe you had to face a prison sentence. But in the midst of your exile, God calls you to excel. In the midst of your divorce, you kept giving God your yes. See, those yeses inspire other people to give God their yes. And as we're, as we're saying yes to Jesus, what's, what's really happening when you say yes is you're really pointing people closer to Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about the strength that I have. It's not about, yeah, I'm a, I'm a really gifted athlete, so who cares if I, if I ruptured my tendon, I'll be fine. No, I'm nothing without Jesus. And as I raise my hands and as I worship him, I want my life to point to him. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. That is, as I follow Jesus, if you follow my life, you just ought to get a little bit closer to the creator of the universe. You ought to be to get a little bit closer to the, to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You ought to get a little bit closer to the prince of peace. I've experienced so much peace during this midst of adversity. I've experienced the love. Like, I'm telling you. Everything that God is, is in his presence. And so if you can just encourage people with your life, with your yes, like Daniel did, to get closer to their true source, I promise you, you'll have joy unspeakable. You'll have joy unspeakable. And so as I close, the big idea is this. 
that a humble heart before God and obedience to God will always produce positive results whether we think so or not. Humble yourself and he will exalt you. Humble yourself and he will raise you up. Humble yourself. Put your agenda beneath God's agenda.